Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Hamish Peary. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's Travcast. The Travcasts are a writer's salon where I get the amazing opportunity to sit and look at the sweat drip on the top lip of a writer and artist and find out what makes their mind tick. And today, brilliantly, sitting in front of me is Jenna Watt. Jenna is an award-winning live artist and theatre maker and director, originally from Inverness and currently living and working in Edinburgh. Jenna creates small to mid-scale multidisciplinary works that combine the practice of live art and a more traditional theatrical forms. She's worked all over Scotland, including Summerhall, National Theatre of Scotland, the Traverse here, the Edinburgh International Science Festival, McRoberts, the basements in Brighton, Camden People's Theatre, Forest Fringe, the Arches, Imaginate, North Edinburgh Art Centre. But very excitingly, she's about to be on here with her Fringe First award-winning production of Flaneurs. I was lucky enough to see it in its first run at the Fringe, so listeners, please... Come, come, come along. When you started out, Jenna, firstly, thanks for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. Really great to see you. Um, when you first started out, what's, and you must have had different mentors and had relationships with different people as you sort of developed, started to develop your, your practice. What was the most useful bit of advice, or not advice as often as anyone ever gave you? Um, I think when you're a solo artist the, the the most piece useful piece of advice that I was given relating to that was somebody said that um it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease and that's something I've always kind of carried with me and it meaning that you know you've got to tell people what you want in order to get it right brilliant and how do you do that is do you, does that affect your practice as in you creating the work as well um I'm not sure I think probably not that probably doesn't inform that piece but I, th- I think because as an artist I'm self-producing a lot of the time then it's about having the confidence to do that and it's that kind of statement that really helps me get out there and talk to people. Brilliant, Th- that difficult thing that's so common now that we have to be an artist and a producer mm. yeah. jumping from two and do you, do you find that is, that, is that a naturally easy fit for you or do you need to often go back to the squeaky wheel the squeaky wheel before you go into a meeting or you make that phone call yeah I think so I think so I mean it's getting easier now like the more um exposure I get and the more work that I make it you know it's it's not so much it doesn't feel like cold calling anymore because people do know me or they've, they've met me or heard of me before so it's a lot easier but there are definitely times where you just kind of have to bite the bullet and do it and Imagine being that wee squeaky wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that image of you imagining the wheel going around as you're, as you're making that phone call, as you're dialing, dialing 0141, whatever. Yeah, that. yeah, it's like, I do imagine like a little tea trolley and it's got four wheels, but there's one wheel that's squeaking and I like to be that little wheel. Wow, it's a tea trolley. Yeah. I was on like a wagon oh, really? from the Wild West, yeah. Oh. But they wouldn't squeak, would they? So it's probably not that relevant. Mm. So... Also, talking about you know for the sort of the beginning and things that you used, talk about your influences because you sent me through a few of your influences and yeah. they're really exciting yeah. and, and very different from Team to Anthony Nielsen and Tim Crouch, all the way over to Yoko Ono. Yeah. 
Just talk to me about a couple of those, about what, what's important about them, what you've taken. And imagine, how do you use influences? Do you take, is it like a palette of paints where you take a little bit from one, a little bit from the other? Absolutely. Yeah, so certainly like with people like Yoko Ono, um, I learned about Yoko Ono in university and that was the first time I'd ever known her as an artist. You know, you, you always know her as John Inn's wife and all those things, but I actually got to see her work uh, just on YouTube, you know, that brilliant resource. And, and it, it suddenly, it kind of helped things click into place because it was, you know, she's she's a woman. She was working uh, solo in New York in the 60s and she was creating these fantastic pieces of work where she would interact with an audience in a really, really simple way. And for me, that was um, a massive influence, you know, just knowing that, that you can do that, that you, that you don't need to have this kind of enormous theatrical structure around something, and you don't need to be in a proscenium arch. You can make work that's really um, engaging and exciting just by sitting on your own on a stage in front of a few people in a gallery. I mean, it doesn't even need to be a stage. So that was definitely a massive thing with her. And then p- people like Anthony Nielsen and, and team, well, Anthony Nielsen in particular, you know, he's learned about him again university with the the in your face theater movement and just knowing that that somehow that crossed that boundary for me between more traditional forms of theater and live art as well because it was asking something else of of your audience and really presenting something different in front of your audience and for me that 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 really spoke to me in terms of challenging people so it wasn't just your audience we're kind of being asked not to be as passive, I think, with that movement and and really being challenged on their expectations of theatre. And then kind of more up to date with the team. Well, Anthony Nielsen is up to date. But with the team, well, they're just epic, I think, in their structures. And that's something that I certainly aspire to and hope to get to one day in my work. So it's lovely to see them and kind of go, I want that. And, and just kind of keep... Slowly but surely, just keep striving to reach something like that eventually. But already, that's a really exciting sort of journey of description there that you gave us mm. from, from someone that was working in, that you knew could just one person could just be speaking in non theatrical forms mm. with the stepping stone of Anthony Nielsen and all that, and then moving on to the, ep- the epic. Yeah. You can see you've already got just given yourself a nice little journey. Yeah. There, you? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Talk to me about that, that idea between which you mentioned a bit in those descriptions about live art and sort of more theatrical forms and the fa- am I right in saying that you feel that you sit in the middle would that be a, a fair I, I think so yeah or I'd, I'd like to think so I, you know people probably argue um, argue that and that's that's fine I don't mean, too much about um, definitions because definitions is definitions yeah more about what, where you take your influences from and how yeah. you make the work yeah I think for me um, I do still call myself a live artist uh, because my my practice does stem from a live art practice so when I'm making work I tend to create um, live art installations first of the the very initial idea and explore something in that sense and then that's almost how I do research and development in in a way learning how audiences are responding to a certain topic or what kind of interaction how I need to interact with an audience to get the right reaction from them in you know to it when I'm exploring a specific topic um, and then just building upon that to create what will ultimately become a piece of theatre and be on a, a stage usually. Um, but there are times where, you know, I've made live art installations and they end up bearing no relationship with the, the final piece of work. But it's always really important to me to start off from that live art 
place first and and go from there it seems to it kind of just helps me understand what it is that I'm trying to do I think talk about the framing it's where the, the seed idea is that, is that, that's how you visualize it yeah you yeah. visualize your world there and then you use it as a as a stepping stone or as a yeah so yeah so it's from a, a real kind of almost visual art live art kind of nugget <laughs> received if you like and then making it bigger and growing it and stretching it into fitting into more of a theatrical model with writing text yeah then i'll bring in text text later yeah and bring in story as well yeah yeah so narratives usually usually comes in (laughs) at some point i was gonna say usually halfway through i don't know if it usually is halfway through but but it does occur eventually like i think normally i'll have I'm, i'm very very visual so i start with images and then i'll kind of explore those images in a live art practice and then from there i kind of start to build a narrative and I kind of weave a narrative through the images and that's how a kind of story builds so I don't start with characters I don't start with a plot or an idea that way it's always images and how do I join up these images that I want to make on stage how can I present an idea with these images or do they do they match or reflect the the idea or yeah no good and then do the images change as that development goes on or yeah, usu- usually, usually, y- yeah, usually they do. But I'm, I'm, I don't really like giving up the first, the images that I first come up with. I usually like to keep them and kind of hold on to them <laughs> the whole way through. But inevitably, they do develop rather than change. They develop. Right. Fair enough. Brilliant. As as possibly story becomes a bigger factor. Yeah, yeah, and then you have to get rid of some and. That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> always, though, they always say the great writers, all the great creators, are the best, best cutters, isn't it? Mm. And you always have to. It's always the favourite bit that you have to cut. Yeah, if it's the it best is, bit, yeah. it normally doesn't serve. This. I've always found. Oh, but that's the best bit. Doesn't do anything, Amy. Just get rid of it. Yeah, I know. And it's that. It's it actually feels. I think it's really liberating when you get moments like that. You kind of go, oh, that's not working now. And even if it's something you've held from the start. I guess there's only there's a certain time in a process where you kind of become brave enough to let that go. Okay, that's not it anymore. But that's hard. And do you um, are you normally solo for the whole of this process? Yeah. Well, well, you're well, performing yeah. as well at the moment, aren't you? You perform. Yeah. You perform in floors. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And sadly, that's a funding thing rather than a, a an ambition thing because right. I think um, when I first started with Flinners it was I was going to have actors in it and it was going to be a very very different piece of work and then through funding and the kind of development opportunities that came about it meant that it was more practical for it to be me right. because I couldn't pay people you know and I was doing residencies all over the country to make the, uh, make this work and I just I couldn't afford to take people with me I couldn't afford to take actors so the way that I, I kind of um made the work with other people was I have a dramaturg so in, in a way that a writer works I, I have a dramaturg you do um, yeah working with me on, on, on what I do because I think uh, as much as I kind of don't um, don't use the term writer for what I do um, I still abide by some of those <laughs> more kind of theatrical roles and, um, and I do I do love working with a dramaturg as well like it is kind of that 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 eye in the rehearsal room that I need, that outside eye. Um, and I like working with designers as well on my work. So it's I work with people that have their own kind of creative process as well, I guess. Or um, 
and I did have a producer for a little while last year and and she had a, a creative role in the process too you know she got to feedback on on what I was doing and come in and see me and um and for me I think that's certainly the next step in my work is I don't want to be a solo artist for all my life because right, okay. it, it is incredibly lonely and really hard to do that and and it's difficult to keep generating new material I think or exciting material or it's difficult to reach certain ambitions you know I talked about team being epic and they've got an they're kind of this fantastic creative machine and they've got so many fantastic performers and creators that work within that team um you know and that's somewhere that I want to get to so for you know I need to change the scale of my work and I need to be working with with other artists and whether they're performance artists or live artists or actors you know that's I'm open to all that so it's I'm kind of wanting to upscale <laughs> <laughs> and then do you feel that once when when you uh, if you were to bring actors and practice mm. on board there would, would th- there would actually have to be more of the structure of writing for you in order to communicate what you're asking these people to do yeah, th- I think that's yeah. They'd have to, I'd have to present something that was a bit more traditional. I think, wouldn't I? Not traditional, yeah. but just written down. So you c- well, you can devise theatre, so you know, you could devise it. But then, some of the actors that I really like are more text based. Right. So you know, I'd have to meet them halfway and give them a bit of text to work with. And it felt like the flaws has come very much from from your from your head. The real joy mm-hmm. of being of being in the in the show is yeah. that we're spending time with you as an artist and as a human being. Yeah. You as a person is quite important to that show, isn't it? Yeah. And it feels like, I would love to see it with actors and what that is. Yeah. But it feels like it, for you to articulate that, that would come, it's not, doesn't, and I'm sure you are, would be a, a great collaborator, but it mm. feels like you would be the central artist in any yeah. version of that and probably other work. Mm. Is that right? I, I guess so. I think it's something I'd like to step, it's kind of, it's, a, it's something I'm kind of wrestling with at the moment because I'm going to be starting a new work soon and it's whether I, it's kind of about where I position myself in that work. Am I still in the middle or am I off stage a bit? <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to work that out at the moment because I'm not really sure. Because it's not, you know, I, although I, I'm in my work, I don't, I'm, I'm not an actor. You know, I don't, I don't have those skills. If someone actually gave me a script to read, I'd be awful, really, really awful. But, you know, I can perform words that I've written on a topic that, that I'm passionate about creating images that I like (laughs) you know there's not I don't know how much skill there is in that really um but if it was about performing someone else's uh writing then no so that's kind of why I'm interested in trying to work more with with actors and other uh, and other performers because I think they've all got fantastic instincts and and skills and I'd really like to learn how to use that in my work so going back to the I haven't got a feel how you work there. Going back to the idea of how Fleur started, mm. what was the, the what, what did you take into the room? You talked about images. What did you take into the room wherever you were, in these rooms that you took as you took residencies across across Scotland and the UK? What did I take into the room? Yeah, what is it? Because you weren't sitting and writing. I imagine you're creating an installation first. Yeah, so I I created a, a the very first thing that I, I created an, an installation. But it was an installation around. It was it was different because it was it was an installation about roles, the public, the public and their roles. So I had to create an installation that placed the audience in the role of bystander, and I had to be in the role of victim. 
and I had to it was a one-on-one installation so this one-on-one person the person that came in they had to they had to be the aggressor so I kind of knew there had to be a bit a bit of text just to kind of keep it together help it hang together and explain a little bit about what's going on but then the actual the real crux of it all was uh, this game that I created in the installation where um, I would challenge the person that was with me to chase me along a corridor to try and stop me from getting to a whistle that was at the end of the corridor. Um, and the audience was situated at the end of the corridor with a whistle. And there was a little sign with them that said, if you want to stop whatever you're seeing, just blow this whistle. So I had to get to the whistle and this person had to stop me and they had to stop me physically, but they weren't allowed to punch me or choke me. Um, <laughs> safety Sorry. first. Um, <laughs> so that that was kind of... The idea was getting these people into these roles and how to make that work and how to how to make somebody into an aggressor without them feeling that I was asking too much of them. So bringing in the structure of a game made it easier. Um, and only you know, only a couple of people refused to do it. They were all women. Um, but everyone else was really happy to chase me down. Really? <laughs> I got this, this whistle. So it became a really... It was a really interactive... Um, installation and, and it ended up being quite distressing actually for, for, <laughs> for me yeah. Well, yeah I'm sure it did yeah that must have informed your performance as well as what you learned about the show massively you don't need much information to be informed about that picture performance of Flanoz I know but it felt like we can see so that's a really great example actually to mm. I really hope that people that listen to this do go and see the show to see how relevant yeah your, your form of working that how that's gone into the show yeah yeah yeah, because it's one of those things. I think it, it felt that uh, that had to I had to keep that that feeling close. You know, by the end by the end of that installation, things had really turned around for me, and I'd really I'd, I really had a different idea of who I uh, who I was, or in terms of violent situations, who I, I would be in those situations. Right. And that was something that I had to take with me and acknowledge in the show. Yeah. What's that? Flaneur stand for. You'll have to say that before we see the show. What's it stand for? Yeah. Well, Flaneur is a, it's somebody that wanders, uh, meanders around a city. Um, I kind of looked more at the literary Flaneur. Um, you know, like Camus wrote about, Edgar Allan Poe wrote about, and it's these people that just kind of wander through different places, and they're very passive. Um, in literature, the, in kind of modern literature, they, they've actually become these kind of wasters or, or stoners if you like in culture but traditionally it was just they were quite romantic quite romantic people that were just wandering around it's a brilliant description do mm. you have any hobbies do i have any hobbies yeah. uh yeah i've got some go on um i <laughs> i like cooking Great. i like cooking i like making homemade food homemade pizzas pretty good great yeah going around there uh bit of gym bit of reading i'm very house proud yeah so that's a bit of a hobby and is, is that difficult when you're i suppose for you because you start in more of a live art form you don't work from home as much i guess you uh, have to go to spaces so yeah i kind of i have to force myself to do that though because i do tend to work from home a lot and then does the house proud thing get take over from the work and we've got a very clean house and no work done yeah kind of yeah yeah much that's <laughs> you and almost everyone that sat in that seat over the year that I've been doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I would. L- I'd love to get an office or a studio, a studio space, I should say. I'm going to get a studio space. That's what I'm going to do. That's my next thing. I'm going to do that. I felt like there, listeners, that 
we empowered Jenna in that moment <laughs> to make her realise her next God. ambition, which is that. And apart from doing that, please carry on making lots more work and bring it to us we've had a wonderful time seeing it so far and I hope everyone mm. gets along and sees Fanon as a real treat thank you so much for being with us Jenna you're welcome thank you good thank afternoon We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.